1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday
2: Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, "How I Quit Alcohol." Hi, and welcome back to "How I Quit Alcohol." Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by Lisa Locks, who's a good friend of my sisters, so friend of and my mum's friend of the family for many years. Thanks for coming on, Lisa. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. You're there in lockdown in Melbourne
3: again for five days. Fingers <laughs> crossed that it'll be, but anyway, we'll see. Yeah. So i wanted
2: to talk to you, obviously, about your journey with alcohol. Can you take us through a bit of your story? And well, firstly, where, when did you start drinking and why?
3: Okay, I was, I was 13 when I started, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never forget it. I've, I always I remember the first drink and I remember the last drink. Um, my first drink, I was down in Elwood. I lived in Elwood. My family lived in flats and we ha- I had a group of friends that wanted to have a drink. So I went around to their flats. So I'll never forget it. it was really high up, um, so many flights up. And I drank. And all I remember was, this is the best feeling I could ever have in my life. And that's when my journey started. So, you know, like everyone, everyone's got their little things that they have to deal with as a kid and, you know, parents breaking up. So my life was pretty unmanageable back then. I'd been bullied and, yeah that drink just changed my world from that moment. Wow
2: obviously did that lead on to more drinking pretty quickly or?
3: Well from 13 you're not allowed to drink so it was hard but I did have I have got an uncle that's a reformed alcoholic and he he lived with us a lot of the times so I was able to pinch it off him sneak it from my mum and dad and a lot of the times I got pretty drunk during the day I'd wag school a bit and yeah friends Picked up my pieces, cleaned me up, and off I went home. So I never got caught. Well, so you were drinking not. in the day when you were like 13, 14? I was drinking any time that I decided to wag or the blue light discos, anything that gave me an opportunity, I would I would go there.
2: Wow, was, you're a naughty girl. Very naughty. <laughs> <laughs> So where did, like so obviously it would have progressed into a would you say an addiction straight on or was it just binge drinking or daily drinking?
3: Um, I think I had theisms to start off with. There's no doubt. Definitely, I'm an addictive personality, so it was easy for me to just grab the drink instead of thinking. And I, I get asthma as well. I'm an asthmatic, and I didn't want to feel that pain either. So anything that came to pain. I would drink instead. I'd rather take the risk factor of drinking than trying to sort out what was going on with me.
2: So, mm. yeah. Mm. When did you start to feel like it was becoming a problem? Um, because, I suppose like-
3: growing up with my uncle and him being in um, a 12-step program on and off, I, I knew the bad behavior. And there's a few different types of addictions in my family. So it wasn't something that, you know, I hadn't ever come across. I'd seen a lot of it. Um, I suppose I started to really try and work out how to drink more and how to drink that it was not going to be noticed. So it wasn't that I actually knew it because I didn't want to know it. And I I took a lot of years to work out that I wasn't going to find a way to, of better drinking because that's what I that's the that's where I went with my journey, trying to find out how I could drink. Um, so from a very early age, my friends were picking me up on it and so people were noticing it. So that's probably, you know, the sorries and, you know, trying to get out of a situation and stuff like that. That's probably where I didn't know if I was going to, you know, muck the night up or it was going to be successful. So, yeah.
2: So when when you say that, so people were noticing, were people like, were you behaving badly and then people were pulling you up on it the next day or?
3: Yeah, well, when you look at it and I can laugh now because I'm sober, but at the time it, it wasn't at all a funny, you know, laughing matter. But, you know, like when you would, when I'd go to a wedding, I would flip the chair, throw drink accidentally on someone, you know, the bridal table, you know, the most horriblest things would happen. You know, I would, just be put into a car to so no one would come near me. And I was always in trouble, always in trouble. So I was always had to face up to saying sorry the next day and not knowing what I'd done. And that was always, oh, well, I look back now, that anxiety was starting at a very young age because I was guilty for everything I did. Yeah. And I just didn't want to miss out. There was never enough. And I just didn't want to miss out. That's, one of my two things that I, I get, I still can act like that a little bit with every other thing I do. So yeah.
2: Often when we're young and we're binge drinking, when we're acting out, we kind of just laugh it off the next day. We don't really tend to feel that guilt, but you were feeling that guilt early on.
3: I was feeling that guilt, but by the time it got to say, I'd run it through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday nights, also sometimes um, by by the midweek, I'd done my best to you know, not drink. By the end of the week, I was extremely thirsty, so I didn't care. Really, at the end of it all, there was a bit of guilt. After a couple of days, that guilt had gone and yeah, I was back on it. It happens a lot.
2: People will drink and feel the anxiety the next day and then swear, I know I did this myself for years. You feel that anxiety the next day, but then you kind of get this amnesia where you forget. Yeah. You kind of, it becomes less the feeling dissipates a little bit. So once the weekend comes around again, you, oh, I'll be right, I'll be right. And then yeah. you're, you're back in the same old cycle again.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. Were you mainly just binge drinking or were, when what were you drinking?
3: Um, I suppose the binge drinking, there's a, a way, you know, like what I've learned, you know, you can be a, t- a daily top up, you can be a binge drinker. At the end of the day, I would have probably drank all day, but every day if I could have half that chance but I've always liked working and being in business so and I've always liked camouflaging and wearing the mask so everybody thought I was okay so so for me it was more once I started there was never enough um, and I couldn't stop. Being a hairdresser I've mostly worked from home I had a business down Bungurra so my socializing was like full-on so it wasn't most clients, they knew the rule, They had to bring half, half a dozen stubbies or something like that. A glass, a bottle of wine. My preference was probably beer. Wine, I pretty much got tizzled straight away and scotch sent me off the rails. So I was pretty mental when I took, you know, when I drank scotch. But look, I would drink medicine if I couldn't get anything. Like in the end, really? I was Benadryl. Benadryl was one of my favorite <laughs> cough drinks. So anything that had a bite that was warm, like ports and all those sort of things, I, I really liked. But anything that gave me a fuzzy, warm feeling. So it meant like if my beer got hot, my wine was in the sun, I couldn't care less. I'd drink it. So yeah, those sort of yeah, things. Were- <laughs> fuck.
2: Drinking Benadryl, that's next level.
3: Yeah, I even like I even tried the good old metho metho with orange juice um yeah i i've i yeah i've i've been a bit sicko with it but yeah it's nothing to be proud of
2: <laughs> i had another guest on this show her name's lauren she went from drinking fine wines collecting fine wines and it, it escalated so badly she kind of ended up losing everything and then ended up by the end of her pay week when she'd run out of money would be drinking metho and orange juice
3: yeah it's like yeah. wow wow do you know the one thing for me, I, I, I'm i not sure if this is the asthma or what what caused it, but I always felt, this is why I write books now, but I always felt dumb. So I wouldn't even remember a word, like a good wine, I wouldn't have a clue what a good wine was. So I just grabbed in the, on the shelf whatever was in front of me because that was the one thing I was never able to have a good conversation with someone, what was good and what was bad, because I just drank what was in front of me. There was no, oh, this tastes good, this tastes it just if it had a bite I liked it I never drank um lolly drinks or anything like that I've had a few busts so when and bust just mean you go back on it and when I've done that I've made sure I've tasted some of the things I hadn't tasted so that's how sick my brain was you know oh well I'm back on it I might as well try what I haven't tried because they keep telling me all these things and I would go on it easy if someone said oh, I didn't I don't think you're that bad. I think you've got it together, Lisa. Bingo. I go, okay, then smarty, I'm on it then. You know, I would do it if you told me not to. I'd do it if you told me to do it. You know, just, yeah, when my brain was sizzled and it was thinking bad thoughts, trigger points, I would say, then, yeah, I was looking, I was going down the the black hole again. Wow. So how long have you been sober for? I went and saw a counsellor. I was at my last when I was finding my phone book everywhere trying to find help I had no idea that's what I was doing and I went I went into a detox in 2002 and then I went into a rehab straight after that and I got sober for 3 years and then I busted in Eildon might I add I had a caravan in Eildon you know Eildon mm-hmm. really well
2: that's where my um, my parents live
3: <laughs> yeah but it had nothing to do with your mum or anyone like that I just oh, locked you. myself no, 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 no. She was always there to help me through my bad times. But, yeah, I, I got back on it then and then that only lasted for a week. I got very sick after that. Then I got another four years up and then I went on a, a binge that was in and out. So it wasn't until seven years ago on Australia Day that I actually uh put the drink down I haven't looked back
2: that's incredible so seven years that's such a great achievement it's funny the last episode we just I've just aired of the podcast was with a really close friend of mine Lyndall and we were talking about relapse and it was really interesting just talking about um, what can trigger it and and ways to get around it and how sometimes a, a relapse although I don't promote it I don't promote people to take up drinking again but it can be great feedback and it can give yeah. you sometimes a bit more ammunition to work a bit harder on your yeah. sobriety and, and working on getting more in touch with your higher self. Yeah, it can be a, a blessing at times. I guess every rock bottom is a blessing as well. Yeah. So that last day on Australia Day, what transpired the night before
3: that? Um, I was already drinking. I was back on the grog again. So there was it was getting to the the nitty-gritty of my bad bad behaviour again. I had it under control for a little bit. Well, I thought I did anyway. And so I went down to stay with my friends, a whole group of people. There was a lot of people I didn't know. I got so drunk. I don't really remember anything. I went with another girl that does fast EFT. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's an emotional freedom technique. And Mm -hmm. um, she... She has a mother that's an alcoholic too. And she just said the next day to me, you cannot ever drink again. And she said, We're going to do tapping all day today while we're away till you get it. What
2: had what went on the night before that or you just can't remember? Did she tell you what you did?
3: She certainly did. I'd I'd um absolute ugliest thing. I just picked my what do you call, victims, and I just went for them and, um, you yeah, know, I must have slept with one and told the other one that I wanted him and just all that. And I'm pretty raw with what I say. I'm, there's no excuses for me and if I can help other people out by saying the things that some of us get up to, then I'm happy to say it. So, yeah, I slept with one and I think I might have even, the night before, with another. Like I was on... I was on the biggest like oh, craze. It was, you know, I'd started, I was drinking the night before and the next day and I'd been told how bad I was there. Well, obviously I was so, well, I wasn't going to even think about getting upset. I just started drinking again at 10 o'clock that morning and by that night I was just absolutely gone and I was telling my, my mate, come on, let's go for it and, and I really embarrassed them. I wasn't embarrassed because I had no idea what I'd done, but the next day my friend said to me, "You cannot." She'd been living here; she was watching me like a hawk, you know, and living at my place. And so, I haven't had a drink since. But what I do find, seven years later, I'm still finding out stories, and um, and I it's like those. It's like I've been in a coma for some things. There's things I can remember. There's things that I would have had the guts to go for too when I was drinking. Um, but yeah, there's not much I haven't done. I've had, I've had, I, I reckon I could write a book cause I write books now. I could write a book on, um, internet dating. That's probably absolutely freaky. I would stand on the edge and just go for it. You know, like there was no, um, thinking about consequences and yeah, I, there's just so many stories that, that, um, I must have been a cat in my last life because there's, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be even alive with what I've got up to. Did it make you, how did you feel about
2: yourself after those sort of events transpired? How, how would you feel about yourself the next day or particularly when people were telling you what had gone down the night before, if you couldn't remember it?
3: Okay. Did you well, believe them. I always believed it because I knew how crazy I could get, you know, I mean, I've been locked up in a, you know, I, and I can't. I couldn't even remember getting locked up. In there,
2: you got you got <laughs> arrested.
3: I got arrested. Uh, there's story, and that was like in Eltham, and next minute I'm in Mill Park, and I don't even know that I'm in Mill Park. You know, um, that that particular time, I think I was that desperate I could have committed suicide. That was at probably one of my lowest. Didn't stop me. I got up and drank again. But yeah, there's been times where my solution was to drink light beer. I could get drunk on light beer, carton light. That's one of the ones I could get drunk on. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would say no more and I'd give myself maybe two weeks and then I'd be drinking again. I stopped drinking for a lot of years. Like did it affect you on an
2: emotional level or mentally?
3: Of course. I um, I mean, that time I told you I felt like committing suicide. There was another time I nearly drove my car into, into a truck um, because I just... I felt like I was pretending all the time. I felt like I had this mask on and that Mm. everybody thought I had it together, but I was always in trouble. I felt like I was in trouble all the time and that I couldn't trust myself. So I, I never trusted anyone. So I think it was more that if I look back now, it was more I couldn't trust myself. It's
2: a pretty scary place to be to, obviously, if you're wanting to commit suicide but not feeling like that you can trust yourself. And I do, I can relate to that to a degree, like towards the end of my drinking, feeling like, oh, I don't quite trust myself or I don't trust, I don't know how I'm going to behave if I get really smashed and that was always a worry and that you don't know how to get out of it. Did you feel like you didn't, you couldn't see a way out?
3: As I said, at the very end I had phone numbers Like the phone book was always on the ground. I was always looking for a number. I didn't know what number I was looking for, you know. So all those sort of things, desperation. There were times that I just wanted to be normal. I didn't feel normal.
2: Mm. Yeah. And how do you feel now, seven years down the track?
3: I feel like, well, as I said, I've discovered I've discovered myself, I, I've basically gone back into my inner child and so, you know, I write children's books now that really are basically about my magical toolbox that I've created. So I inspire myself. I inspire myself then therefore I can give service for others and help others but it's more about inspiring myself and trusting myself and loving myself and that's probably been one of my biggest hurdles I've never written anything down and and I I never liked the pen and paper it made me feel like I was sitting an exam and I wasn't going to pass so through writing a child's book I've understood and I've been able to write more things I'm not a lover of writing but you know I write books now but I get help from people. I'm the first to put my hand up now for help. To
2: cultivate self-love is a really big part of the recovery process um, because we've spent so many years bagging ourselves and putting ourselves down and feeling like we didn't trust ourselves, which is an awful thing to feel about your own self. How long did that take? And is it still an ongoing process for you?
3: There's never, never enough of self-love. And I think that um, my journey will be you know, the un- the missing piece to the jigsaw, there'll always be a piece. I, I believe it's going to be a-, a-, a never-ending journey. But am I happy? Yes. I'm probably yeah. the happiest person in the world because I'm grateful. I'm grateful that yeah. I-, I caught on finally. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, with the self-love process, what kind of things do you do? Well, what did you do, especially at the start? How did you start to forgive yourself and love yourself and trust yourself?
3: I started to do self-healing. Like holistic stuff Was bit has always been something I'm interested in. So I delved deep into the tapping and meditation and eating properly. When you're thirsty, drink preferably water. Eat when you're hungry. Eat the right food and sleep. Sleep is one of the main things, you know. Like as soon as I don't sleep, I ache. And then I've got my head's going a bit wormy. I mean, I'm always going to have that wormy brain that really puts me back on to knowing what I've got to do. So, yeah, it's it's that I've finally caught on what triggers my mind, the uh, stinky thinking, as I would call it. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I've got that going on, oh, my God, I'm like a spoilt little brat that has a tantrum. And we can laugh at it sometimes, but we can't laugh at it all the time, you know. But, yeah, I... I give myself a cuddle. I've learned to love me and not love, be addictive towards men. And, you know, there's so many other addictions that follow through with me, just that bad behaviour. So to love myself, it makes me happy. And, yeah, I'm a much happier person. I always looked happy, but so I had the mask on. So a lot of people, unless they sprung me when I was, you know, upset and Uh, crawling on the ground for help then they saw it so not a lot of people would see that side to me and I still get everyone saying some people saying I reckon you could drink come on it cost me it's cost me every time so now there is no way I'll even muck around with people like that so um, my choices have changed a lot. Mm. I think
2: too knowing the people that that truly care about you they wouldn't want that for you you know so sometimes It's it's a matter of fishing out some of the people that don't yeah. honor you in that way
3: yeah and I always say detaching and letting go you know that there have been two things that I've you can still uh, you know be friends and say hello but there's just some that are a bit toxic I've learnt that I was very toxic I've, I've learnt who who can hang around me and who can't
2: yeah I value my time with people I'm very selective about who I spend my time with and I really value the people that I do give my time to because I value myself
0: now exactly. at such
2: a high level that I don't just give my time out to anybody, especially people that don't, I don't feel really yeah. love me and want the best for me. That comes later too, because at first, sometimes you can feel a bit desperate.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Because a lot of, well, this is a good question for you because I know a lot of your
2: friends drink. Dealing with that to dealing with that loss of friendships, having friends, being able to, you know, to be able to socialize with people, how did that go for you?
3: Well, I've I've learned, most of all, I've learned, to respect myself so and then and then I can respect others but the one thing that has happened to me in the last seven years is there is just some people I cannot be friends with I I would not have an enemy so I'd say hello to them and there's just the ones that I can I've kept most of my friends I've been grateful enough for that understanding but I've had to make it quite clear that I don't come to those things and stuff but my really close friends I've it's it's been it has been a battle it's been a real battle and but I feel um free now and I've let go of quite a few and I've um kept some from a distance and I've made a hell of a lot of new friends too and oh my god not everyone drinks I've learned yeah everyone says that (laughs) and that that buzzes me out still it's like you know they have one drink if if they're lucky, and that's enough for them. So I'm intrigued by that. It's so cool.
2: It comes up a lot with people that I interview on the podcast or just people that I work with. They'll be like, they'll start to see that realisation because I think when you're drinking all the time, you seek out people that do the same behaviour so that your behaviour can go unnoticed. But when you've stepped away from it, you do start to realise, oh, wow, not everyone drinks like I thought they did. Or maybe I was the ringleader.
3: Yeah, well, I've been a bit of a leader myself, but but um, I've got friends now that are as wacko and crazy as me, and they've never drank. I never thought that could happen. I thought you had to be with your own kind to to fit in that. It's, there's a lot of cool people out there, you know, that don't have to drink. They're the ones I choose. I don't even allow anyone to drink in my house. Well, it's not that I don't allow it. My kids and that have just made that rule, and I went with it. And I don't really want it in here now. So a- as every year goes on and I'm another year sober, I wouldn't say I'm super, super strict because that's just that's just being silly, but but I can make self-love is about making the rules that suit you and that I was never able to do, never. It's, boundaries are really
2: important, aren't they? We don't have boundaries when we drink so much or we drink to excess like that. Our boundaries, yeah. like you say, you know, being promiscuous or different yeah ways that we behave or let people cross the line with us in all sorts of ways. Yeah. So part of another beautiful thing about sobriety is setting up boundaries and going not, And then you value yourself in a different way. Yeah. So your standards are high. You raise your standards for yourself. I love that. I've got very yeah. clear boundaries as, as well. I, I do let people drink I, Actually I must say when we have friends over, they probably don't drink bring alcohol. We don't ask them not to or anything, but I guess they just, but we're the same. We're our tribe now that we've found are people that, that either don't drink or they don't drink much. Yeah. It's not really an issue yeah. with them. And that's one thing I always say to people, don't worry. Cause I know that is a big concern for people losing their friendship groups. Even if you do have to kind of spend a few weeks or months, a little bit bored on the weekends, I always say that's okay. It's a good time to get to know yourself and do yeah. some self-work, but your tribe will come the people yep. will come, you will find people that you can connect to. Yes. And even if it takes a while, that's okay, because you're still putting yourself first and, and raising your standards. And
3: yeah, I've never lived alone. So I've always had my family, then I got married. And then I always had girlfriends and everyone coming and staying. And then I've had students live here. And I've had my kids live here. And just recently, um, the students and the, the girl that was living at the border that was living here all moved out and so I had didn't even do lockdown by myself and now I'm on my own and you know what I love it I actually love it I just like that peace and serenity and that Mm. I never thought I would ever be able to do so Mm. when I look back just at the changes within myself every bit of hard work that I thought was hard has been excellent for me so I say go the go the sober's. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> absolutely. It never ceases to amaze me and every time I speak to someone on this podcast or other people that have gone through the journey and that they've come out the other side, they always just feel so grateful for the journey, but also for the sobriety and how much how transformative it is.
3: Oh, every every year, every day, every week is just like you know, you've got to do your Got to do your work and all the words now. Every word means so much more to me than it ever did. You know, I'm just so Mm -hmm. grateful. I don't feel like I've got that blockage anymore, and I don't feel like I'm sabotaging myself anymore. So, and I don't feel like I'm missing out. If anything, I don't even really care for the smell, it smells yuck, which is pretty amazing for me because I could have swam in it really. So, the obsession was yeah, pretty strong, but yeah, now I just. I go outside with my with no shoes on and i I sit on the lawn and I give myself you know that time where that was something I wouldn't allow. no way.
2: yeah, it's I think it's just part of uh, what is it? Maybe it's through meditation and things like that too, but where you do feel more connected to yeah. Mother Earth and to nature and yeah. to everything that's going on around you. And with sobriety, it's like the veil gets lifted a bit. So all the little nuances in, in nature and, and things that you start to pick up on that before was just a bit of a blur or you didn't really yeah. pick up on things or you weren't interested. But you do start, and I think I find this more and more as time goes on, just everything's a bit brighter and everything's a bit clearer oh. and, I yeah. don't know, it's it's the just such a beautiful place.
3: Yeah. 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 It's absolutely wonderful. Kind of- People are so angry with lockdown and I am i haven't got anything to be angry about, At the, you know, like right now I am happy to be sober because, my God, if there was a lockdown and I hadn't got sober, oh, there would have been trouble. I would have ran amok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: totally. And How I'm does going, it feel to not wake up like now even seven years on, like waking up not feeling like, oh, did I fuck up the night before? Like do you ever oh, still have that feeling oh, of- <laughs>
3: Well, the dreams have gone now, but the actual um, feeling is gratitude, you know. I'll I'll definitely read an affirmation or something first thing when I wake up. I haven't got any anxiety. Like, that took a long time to get rid of too. The anxiety was always playing a part on me just for the guilt of just being guilty, you know. Didn't have to drink Mm -hmm. that. But once I learned that the drinking brought on the anxiety, brought on depression, And, you know, and I don't really suffer depression and and I understand that people do, but I I could just about guarantee that it would take it, lift it to the next level, the next level of depression because I got it the next day and I got a little bit of a taste of it. So, yeah, no.
2: What would you say to someone? I do come across a lot of people or a lot of people message me and will say I drink to alleviate my anxiety or depression. And as as soon as I read that, I think, oh, no, like that's the worst thing you can do for your anxiety and depression. But having been through that yourself and come out the other side, what would you say to those people?
3: I would say first, first priority to stop for a little bit and see because it's not till you stop that you actually know you don't have a hangover anymore you don't feel guilty and having no guilt having no anxiety is so much more rewarding mm-hmm. and that 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 comes in time you know the longer you, anyone stays sober the more they find those things out but your question mm-hmm. was you know drinking didn't want to it wasn't that I drank for that I just wanted to numb my brain I didn't want to think about anything that was giving me fear so yeah I just wanted to forget and have a good time but being calm for me stops me from having anxiety Mm. I know myself that with I
2: used to have quite bad anxiety attacks panic attacks and things and they they've pretty much they've disappeared since I stopped drinking and I don't know whether it's the work that I do daily my daily um gratitudes and affirmations and things like that or if it's just the alcohol or maybe it's a mixture of the two but I definitely it's definitely a thing that since I've quit that the anxiety has gone it's just completely gone
3: listening to you say that for me it was about yeah stopping that was that had a lot to do with it but planting the seed in my mind. So the more I, like like your journal, you know, the, it's for 365 days, is it?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: If I could have picked up a pen and just write something every day and caught on a little bit quicker, I don't know why it took me so long. I just still wanted to be be naughty, I think. But if, if I could go back in time, I would have got more into learning about self-love. Mm. Um, there would have been other choices I would have mm. gone, I think, to to grab onto it a lot faster because, you know, like I said, I've been around since 2002 and it's 2021. You know, it took me 17 years, I think. No, not 17 years. Seven years ago I got sober, 14 years, sorry, and um, that was a battle. That that was just really hard work. The last seven have been it was that last drink that I just could not go there I think that was like I totally surrendered even though I'd been to a rehab and detox and all that it's the surrendering you know they say mm. spiritual awakening you you um finally go why am I doing this this is crazy mm. I want to do this mm. I want to myself and be happy and that's when I started to go okay but I still had hurdles to go down people came into my life that nearly broke me but a, a drink wasn't the solution for me. Or in the past, it's been a solution.
2: You're so right. I think it's part. Of, it's when you actually get to that final thing where you're just like, I am done. Enough's enough. But yeah. Linda and I were talking on the the episode just gone last week's one about that. And I think with the self love stuff and the gratitude practice and bringing in a really strong spiritual practice, it fast tracks you to healthy, to being healthy, to recovery. Yeah, because for me, that's what I adopted early on. As soon as I started pretty much within a few weeks, because the first few weeks were hellish. I was just like, this is fucked. I'm miserable. And I thought, well, in my logical mind, I thought, well, what can I do? You know, that's going to help me snap out of this, you know, horrible headspace. I mean, I thought, and I did some reading gratitude. That was the first thing I started. Hence why I've made the how I quit alcohol playbook, which is it's every day. There's a gratitude practice for people to to get down on paper every day. Uh, and then talking with Lyndall about it last week, she said the same thing. She realised, I've got to do more. I've got to do more in serving my higher self. Otherwise, yeah. it's just white-knuckling it and it's too hard.
3: I needed to have people around me that were kind and caring mm-hmm. and that were showing me that it's so well worth it because look at us. That's what that's what I gravitate to, the tension. The mm-hmm not the hardcore where, you know, I they can step away from me if I'm going to lose the plot and everything. But I need people that are going to have their hands open and bring me into it. And I've gone back and looked at my notes over the, the years. And some of it makes sense, not all of it, but but I have written down things, but we're all different. I get that. Some of us need it tougher. Some of us need it more, the, you know, love and care. That's, the thing I think we're all different
2: yeah exactly the same thing talking about all, all again last week was it's not always a one size fits all so what might might work for one person might not work for you might not work for the person over there and sometimes if something's not working that's just good feedback to go and try a different tact just yeah, keep trying cool. and keep I always say the best way if you want to succeed in something is look towards someone else who's already done it before you and it's, yep. it's being successful whatever it is right. they do <laughs> Business, sobriety, great relationships, whatever. But I look to other people for inspiration, I guess. There's a guy, Dean Graziosi, I listen to sometimes, a business guy. Uh, He always says success leaves clues. So you can see what someone else is doing and, you know, learn from them. You could go and look at how one person's done it and then go, okay, now that doesn't work for me or that doesn't feel the right fit for me. I'll try this. And there's so many different options. There's so many different ways you can go. There's AA or therapists rehab, just going at it alone with a gratitude journal. You know, there's all different ways. And I think you don't know until you try. But like Mm. you said, you don't know how good you're going to feel until you just give it a go and see how it feels.
3: When you become happy all the time, for me it was I needed to show that to people, so Mm. more of a mask, whereas I don't need to do that. I need to wake up in the morning if something's not right, I need to work it out. I need you know, I need to be kind to myself. And, you know, every day gets easier. And, you know, it gets better. I shouldn't say easy, better for me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've got a new life. You know, I'm doing a lot more things than I've ever done before. And, and I just want to do more. I want to live till I'm 100 now, you know, like, and I don't feel that, you know, I've, I've got to catch up that that was whilst I was drinking, I felt like, days were going too fast and I was panicky even as a child I thought that but I don't feel that way now I make sure I I'm near a window all the time I can see outside I work from home so that comfort you know that makes me happy I'm my own boss um, there's always a solution for anything I believe you're right
2: there is always this Wayne Dyer I love Wayne Dyer I don't know if yeah. you read Wayne yeah. but you do yeah <laughs> I'm always banging on about Wayne but he's got a I beautiful his book
3: movie. He's got a movie. Have you the watched the
2: shift? His movie? Yeah. yeah, the shift. It's a great movie. The acting's pretty horrendous, but the message yeah, but is great.
3: Any myth? Like, have you have you watched the um, uh, the movie "A Conversation with God"? Now I've read the book. Yeah. So that, that's good too. Not that that's about an alcoholic, but there's alcoholics around him. Well, this Wayne book,
2: as there's a spiritual solution to every problem, I think the audio of it's even on YouTube. Where you can, I used to actually just listen to it at nighttime when I was falling asleep. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a really great book. And there, there is a solution for every problem.
3: Yeah. And I've said that all along. You know, I went out with a guy and he was an accountant and he said, there's a purpose, but there's not always a solution. I totally disagreed with him with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, d- I just believe that any, any circumstance, you know, even if you're, you know, you've got a, a deadly disease, the, the solution is to live in the now today and enjoy today. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that difficult. We make things so much more difficult than what they need to be. And But yeah. there,
2: there is a solution to every problem. So there mm-hmm. is, you know, that could be a stepping stone to get you to where you want to go and yes. to to find that purpose but living on purpose i think also helps a lot with sobriety like being happy within yourself and what you're doing and if you aren't happy with your life take steps to change it and there's always something there's always a solution so start looking for the solutions in life and
3: they're everywhere yeah i i do follow my dreams and 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 i've never not done that the only thing that might have slowed down was my drinking
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm much more on purpose now, although I've loved, always loved with my company Earth Bottles, I loved what we do and I Mm. loved feeling like I was giving back to community Mm. and doing things like that. I've always loved to be of service in some way. So even just doing this and the coaching, it makes me feel really on purpose and I'm just so happy and so content and obviously none of this would have happened if I didn't quit drinking. No, that's right. And
3: look how quick, you know, because people will always Trying to reach out. Yeah, I think Mm. a lot of people have got a a good step forward if they know how to use a pen. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
2: When you were triggered early on in the early days in this seven-year stint,
3: what did you do to get through those times? Since I've had tapping, I do fast EFT for anything that um, I have to come in contact with that triggers anything as far as drinking I haven't even had the urge to drink the seven years prior before that it was crazy I was walking the walk walking walking the walls um ripping my hair out uh, eating excessively yeah there was a lot of bad behavior that I that I would do when you know, like even going out with guys, you know, there was just a lot of stuff I did when I was substituting the drink, I probably substituted it more, or I'd get angry and frustrated, you know, and fight with people or, you know, tolerance was I had no tolerance at all. But the last seven years, I just didn't want to like, I I had, I had drank my last drinks, I, I really gave it a good shot the last, you know, I, I busted so many times prior to that too. So, and, and got so many years up each time. But that last drink that I put in, I was exhausted from it. So, it was a, not a case of wanting it again. So, I was able to let go, let go. It, that That's as easy as that. But, but things have come forward since then, you know, like I do my own program at the best that I can do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I sense when I'm being agitated I know I need to go to sleep I I meditate a lot you know I give up if I can't do it I just say um, I can't do that today Uh, so I I don't know I'm older now too so you know and I've watched my uncle you know he hasn't had a drink for about five years but he's 77 you know 78 and we have lots of chats about drinking. We've got that connection straight away, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't I would say the last 7 years I was able to just hand it over. The rest of my behavior, I work that I work on that every day. I really did get this time that my bad behaviors can be end up being a trigger if I don't stop those bad behaviors. So, being kind to myself, that's Allowing myself to have a day off because I know I'm an alcoholic, you know, just simple things like working right in this room now with the window next to me, drinking plenty of water. There's so many things that I, I work on before the triggers start. I've got no interest in drinking. That's just not, I partied hard enough. I don't need to, I can still get on top, get on a table and sing in a micro, you know, sing in a microphone. I, I haven't lost that, even though it was a little bit hard in the beginning. And prior to that, I never wanted to go out. But I don't have to go out as much now either. I like my own company and I like having friends over.
2: You seem so content and so happy, which is so nice to just chat with someone who's in that space. It's really beautiful and I'm sure it's a huge inspiration for other people around you. I
3: I feel more emotional talking about how happy I am.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: That's where I'm at now. I've got emotions for everything now. So, but I am happy. I mean, it's not, it's, uh, I'm not lying. It's as simple as that. I'm not lying.
1: Um,
3: I'm not covering anything up now. It's a journey for me that's um, every day is important to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's just gorgeous. If anyone wants to reach out to you, your Instagram—I'll I'll put it on my yeah. show notes. But it's yeah, at Lisa sure. Locks.
3: Is that right? Um, Instagram—I'm just Lisa's Locks. Lisa Lisa's Locks. Locks. Well, Lisa Locks, I think. Yeah, I'm happy to talk to anyone. That's that's giving service back, you know. Because yeah, it's all about networking, isn't it? And and sharing sharing the goodness.
2: Yeah, Um, it's definitely all about sharing the goodness, that's for sure. Yeah, well, fantastic, Lisa. So I'll put anything in the show notes and keep us posted on when all the books are available to buy. Thank you very much. See you, gorgeous.
3: Okay, see you later.